Welcome to the Will Squared Recorded Sit-Down Sessions. Two wills, one message, live a good life. We discuss things fortnightly, listen if you want. Big willies. start where we left off last time during the week. The points about the innovation that were raised were <laughs> interesting. Well, yeah, they were a bit contradictory. So I went to this honor society that they had for the RMIT chapter and they had this woman come in and talk about innovation infrastructure and what we can expect in the future and that sort of stuff. And she was talking about software that had been designed not women specifically, but for... Traditionally uh, repressed groups. Right. So you put in your salary, your existing salary, your background, education you've had, uh, what your job position is, all these variables. And with from these variables, the software could then calculate how much you actually deserve to be paid. Deserved in uh, quotation marks. In quotation marks. If it calculated that the deserved salary did not match up with the current salary, it would then generate a letter to go to your boss so that... Um, yeah, you could send a letter to your boss asking for a raise. Yeah, fairly good concept. And that was great. That's, I think that's great that people are doing it. But then a point was raised about the fact that the millennial generation, like communication skills need to improve, which I thought was an interesting point because in a way it almost contradicts the previous point. About the use of software. <laughs> well, how do you form skills? Practice. Uh, you, practice. you practice. You go out of your comfort zone. So you experience some level of discomfort. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and you expand your skill base. Mm. So I asked the question, how can we be expected to improve our communication skills when we've got software, like what you've just mentioned, writing letters for us? You know, how, <laughs> how are you going to learn how to communicate if you've got a software already doing it? And so she brushed it off and didn't really answer the core of the question and said, oh, that's a good point, that's a good point. So anyway, I went, I went up to her after and we started talking. So we, did, we kind of got into like the ethics of artificial intelligence and just talked right. about what it meant for this, you know, up and coming generation. Like, <laughs> yes, you know, we're literally it. not going to have to do anything because AI, I will just automate everything, even writing letters or sending messages to anyone. I mean, I, there's apps on your phone that can like text message people automatically. Hmm. If you've got lots of girlfriends on the go, <laughs> schedule text messages to be sent to to each and every one of them. Do you have any uh, personal experience with that? One? I don't. I mean, I saw it in the app store. And I was like, <laughs> oh, awesome. But uh, I uh, sadly I didn't have that sort of that sort of problem <laughs> having lots of women to deal with. So what was the conclusion there with the ethics? Yeah, it's sad too because at the same time we're developing all this technology that's kind mm. of taking care of it for us. So yeah, it's a bit backwards in some sense that we want to develop one area, but we're developing another area that's kind of almost hindering that. So you've got to do it. We've got to develop technology and still be aware that we're a social species and we need face-to-face contact. Yeah, for sure. It's a really troubling one. And I think it's manifested into the big buzzword of our of our generation. Oh, networking. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's become our social outlet. It's like we're all stuck on our phones. We're all stuck on our social media. But the one thing we do need to get out and do is... Networking. Yes. <laughs> and it's got such a bad connotation. I mean, when I hear that word... I just, I kind of shudder. I just cringe a bit. Yeah. And I think that's just because people have had bad experiences with it. And it's not, oh, it's not what it's cracked up to be. No, not at all. Yeah. The problem with the the events that happen in, in Melbourne 
is that it attracts all the same sort of people. <laughs> it's kind of desperate, you know, no social skills, need money, and they go there with an agenda. And it's literally like, I've got to sell myself in five minutes and I need to give 50 business cards away. <laughs> And most often you get disappointed with that. Totally. Well, how are you going to form relationships? That's the key thing, right? Is Mm. relationship building. You aren't going to get anything back unless someone trusts you and respects you. If you want true value. That's right. You've got to have trust and respect. And you can't build trust or respect over five minutes. (laughs) Or a business card exchange or a bit of champagne. Telling people what you do, what you want to do, what you need. It's quite selfish. And I mean, like, people don't give a shit. No, of course not. People care more about their own toothache (laughs) <laughs> than a million people dying in China of famine. Oh, it, it's so true though. It is true. Yeah. We're inherently selfish. Yes. And you can either complain about it or use that to your advantage hmm. and pay attention to the other person. Someone else might have something that you don't have and you will never know that by just talking about yourself the entire time. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And uh, I mean... For me personally as well, like networking sort of captures the human social element and turns it into a very transactional agreement. Like, I'll do this for you, you do this for me, you connect me to those people, I'll connect you to these people. It's really unproductive. That's where I think, particularly for engineering students, as an example, that aren't traditionally considered highly sociable, that's what they see it as, a big transaction. and it's That's a problem as well, is that doing engineering and doing a lot of maths and physics, it gives you that mindset. I'll just plug these variables into a formula hmm. and I'll get the solution. When in business and in life, dealing with people, something as complex as a human being, yes, you can't operate in life with that philosophy, that mentality of, oh, I'll just do this and I'll get this. Well, no. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. No, it doesn't work like that. You can't just give someone your business card and then press the equals button and then expect them to give you oh, what you want. Were it so easy. Oh, gosh. Especially with social media, we've got to be careful. Relationships are an inch deep and a mile wide. <laughs> You've got a thousand... That's a good one. You've got a thousand friends or most people have a thousand friends on Facebook. How many of those thousand people do you, would you genuinely call your friends? Like people that you'd actually see Ten uh, percent, yeah, a hundred people, and yeah, so exactly. that's what I did. I had a thousand friends on Facebook, and like I was just I was seeing things from people that I didn't even talk to or who I've never even met. People who mm. I just have known through someone else and th- who, who I've added on Facebook. So one day I just like spent an hour and I just went through my list and I like had this simple methodology and I would read someone's name. But I would say hi to this person on the street. If you would say hi to them, yeah. If I would say hi to them. I'll keep, I'll keep you. And if I wouldn't... Get rid of oh, yeah. If you ran into them, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If I ran into someone in the street, would I say hi? Would I genuinely care what they're doing <laughs> in life? Yeah, yeah. I kept them as friends. And and I now I uh, got it down to 180 people. Mm. And it's so much better because I don't just... Don't, I just And the newsfeed thing, again, I don't get distracted. I don't see useless things <laughs> being posted that have nothing to do with me and would have no kind of importance. I know it sounds harsh, but... Oh, it's not harsh. I mean, it's it's as you said, like if we're an inherently selfish species, then what's the point in stretching ourselves thin in that thousand mile wide friend group? Well, it's, it's quality, not quantity of your relationships that matter. And that's what I think these networking things are getting wrong. People think, oh, you know, I've got to hand out a billion business cards. No, you're better off to work on one relationship and put in the effort for one relationship than being average in all your relationships. That That's where the true value is. If you invest, I mean, sure, there's emotional pain and, and you've got to take time, but anything worthwhile takes time. So if you invest that time into someone, the rewards are 
enormous. Mm. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I, I am curious though, like does that social network thing that Facebook has going in regards to your quality over quantity, does that apply to the network equivalent? Does that apply to LinkedIn? LinkedIn's even worse because it's just yeah. an ex- well, it's it's just like Facebook except with this kind of whole business connotation around it. This whole yeah, you know, but oh, doesn't you on LinkedIn? Oh, you know, that's right. But does my network? If it is business related, doesn't that remove the quality aspect? Like you don't need it, you can just keep adding people. Yeah, but again, it's it's the same thing as Facebook. You just are going to have an average network, and no one, you know, when when you ask yourself this, if you were to ask that person for help, would they actually help you? A very fair point. It it's either a no or they'd say yes and not help. Ultimately, you wouldn't get it. Which I've experienced a lot of as well. <laughs> and that's kind you of certainly have kind of been shit kicked in the head by the, the Melbourne <laughs> ecosystem. Oh man! Speaking of which, shall we move into that? I feel like that's the elephant in the room at this point. The Melbourne oh, ecosystem. The, well, I mean, yeah, the, the entire the entire situation is kind of effed. The whole problem is people's mentality. Yeah, it usually is. Oh. You know, and I was talking with a friend yesterday oh, yes. about the ecosystem, and he he kind of said that he's he's over it, like he doesn't want to start up a startup. Really? Yeah. Which Fair is enough. fine, which is good because you shouldn't start a business unless you know exactly what you're doing, you're really skilled, and you're prepared to be depressed and under high levels of stress for two years of your life. At least, yeah. That's what it takes to start a company, right? It's like having a baby almost. That's a fair point. Honestly. And so the problem with, I think, in terms of entrepreneurship and how it's being portrayed at university is that it's this cool, hip thing to do. Oh, you know, if you want to be cool, start up a business. No, you're going to be depressed for two years of your life to start up a business. Yeah, exactly. It's being sold as a fad, basically. It's it's being sold like kale and smashed avocado. Right. Yeah, which is a a whole other problem entirely. (laughs) It's, yeah, it's being sold to a whole new group of young people that think the workforce is too hard, that think their life is too hard, they need to get rich quick. The workforce is easy compared to starting your own business. I mean, you're joining an existing business that's already doing well. It's succeeding, in fact, uh, if they can pay you. So, but that's the thing. Universities can't sell degrees if you know that. That's right. And my main problem anyway has been I've I've hyped Mm. up each kind of step up, if that makes sense. So in high school, I yeah. hyped up university. <laughs> and in university, I hyped up the real business world. Yeah. And each time I've been let down, which is why, in a sad way, you shouldn't have high expectations. I know it sounds kind of depressing, but like you can, you can choose to go two ways. You can be like, well, this is it. Life sucks. I'm going to, you know, mope around and be upset. <laughs> or you can say, this is it. This is all it's ever going to be. Make the most of it. And, sure. and I have kind of had that mentality before about university, if I can get out of here and even like applying to the States, I've mm. kind of seen it as, oh, well, too good for this. I'm destined for bigger things. Yes. It's good to be ambitious. But what sure. happens when you kind of negate your current situation? I wasn't motivated to go to class. I didn't want to learn. Mm. I had this really kind of depressing attitude towards my studies. But as soon as I kind of thought, what if this is it? You know, what if this is all I ever do? You know, what if I don't get into America? What if even when I go to America, it's the same? And so with that kind of switch, I, you know, have learned to appreciate and, and have been making the most of what I've got. And I've actually been happier. Like I'm actually happy to go to uni. I'm laughing, you know, me and you joke around. Yeah. I was having fun in my tutorial the other day. Um, <laughs> really? What subject was that? This was creativity, innovation and design. Oh, with... Uh, with the big Leon. But yes. I, didn't have, I didn't have him um, for the tutorial. I had another woman who's... Um, Chinese and she's got quite a thick accent and it was funny because we're going around the circle and people introducing their name and I've nailed the technique to talking to someone who doesn't speak English very well 
Ooh, let's hear it. That that would be very yes. valuable for a lot of people. <laughs> so, look, I've been to Asia twice. I've been to Thailand and Vietnam. So, I've kind of had some experience there. My mum is horrible because she confuses the hell out of the app. Yeah, she's got a fairly ochre accent. Ochre, but just the fact that she rambles on. That doesn't and help. they kind of get confused. Mm. What the main problem is, is metaphrases. Like, you know, um, yeah, nah. like, yeah, nah, like... <laughs> That confuses them. Of course it does. It's oxymoronic sometimes. So a lot of these people were going, when they were being asked, for example, what are you studying? What are your future future goals? Oh, you know, I'm studying, you know, business and like, you know, I want to do this and, you know, and by the end of it, yeah. she, she didn't even know what, she actually had to ask the question again. Like, what is your name? <laughs> what are you studying? What are your future goals? Because she literally couldn't understand it. Like, because of these metaphrases. So by the time it got to my go, I made it very clear, very clear. I'm studying mechanical engineering and business management. I want to go to America and study robotics. And I was the only one in the circle that she didn't have to ask five times what, what they wanted to do with their life. So, yeah, there You've you go. Well. Write it down. If you want to talk to anyone who can't speak English properly or finds it hard, just make it simple. No room for error. So, yeah, it was just funny because, you know, we're, ha- we're having fun and, and, and we're having a bit of a laugh because I, um, I was kind of hating on my degree a little bit. Oh, I think I think we all do at some point. Even people that love university life sometimes hate the content. Yeah, but what what, what life is there in Australian universities? That's- oh, it's, it's, there isn't any. It's difficult, you know, what you were just mentioning before about uh, how you hype things up is a very, po- like, it's a prolific psychological phenomenon in Australia. It's, I think it's called the if and then happiness cycle. If I get this, then I will be happy. If I get into the business world and start a business, I will be happy. If I get to America, I will be happy. It's that grass is always greener kind of mentality, isn't exactly, it? Exactly, exactly. And we're stuck in this cycle and we just need to be present to appreciate the things we've got in the moment and make the best of it and just put the past behind. I think hoping for a better future and working towards a better future is is, is good. Yes, but with a dispassionate eye, mm. you can't be swayed too much or vulnerable to your emotions and moods. It's yeah. great to have them because I think that that's really what fuels you towards your goal. Yes. But you've got to be realistic with yourself in terms of this is, the, this is reality, this is what happens, and oftentimes I've been let down that's probably because what happens when you imagine things that marries with desire <laughs> yeah. and that just you know warps everything out of your view and so you kind of you get almost deluded in a sense yeah no I, I know it's it's devastating sometimes oh and as i've experienced too you know, yeah a lot <laughs> a lot not just with university but you know i, I wanted to start up that organization Yes. Well, I did. And I was trying to get it off the ground and, and, and try and send these people over to the States. Yeah, we came pretty close. I mean, oh gosh, no. Close is having the money in the bank account. That's close because even if we had the money, still got to organize the trip. This is true. I think though, if you could convince someone to give you basically non-for-profit charity, you could convince a lot of other people to do a lot more things like organize the trip for you. Once It's it's like the key hurdle. Once you get over that, you, you, you're done. Everything else becomes small in comparison. But I mean, again, it ties back into that Melbourne ecosystem and it just doesn't have the appetite for change or innovation. I have a, obviously a very different experience to you in terms of being in the ecosystem. Mine comes from a corporate background working in the workplace and understanding how the investors and the agendas and interests of the finances work. And and essentially, I think it's derived from the fact that Australia is largely a very well-established country. All its main businesses, the big four banks, the big mining companies, they're all big, they're all mega conglomerates, 
and they don't like risk. And innovation only comes from trial and error and risk. And you can mitigate those, but these people want results in 90 days, high profit margins with no risk. And that's why Silicon Valley is so great. Or Silicon Valley is what it is because it's got those risk takers that go, you know what, screw the status quo. Let's do this. We were talking about this the other day about the fact that America was built upon immigrants yes. who believed in liberty yep. and progress. Yes. And so that's, that philosophy is carried through. I mean, in Australia, England sent convicts, uh, criminals here to yep. work. So it's kind of shone <laughs> through a little bit. For sure. In terms of our attitude towards innovation and, and work and success, everything. Exactly. And a lot of our innovation throughout historically has just been handed to us on a plate for being loyal to the British Empire, basically. America had to work hard, take risks. I mean, crossing the Atlantic was a very risky business. Everyone who arrived on the shores and went under Lady Liberty's torch nearly died. And they arrived there, escaped persecution, religious aggression, and they came there to change, to change the way they lived. We didn't. We've got a lot of great government initiatives. Um, our culture, in terms of being somewhat relaxed, being happy, jovial people generally, uh, is good. Why would you need to work? Why would you need to have paint? You can just go for a coffee, yep. have some avocado on toast for $12. <laughs> or, or if you're like uh, my brother, for example, um, just live in a van and surf when you can. That's all you... That's it. Well, if that makes people happy, great. Yeah, Godspeed. What I think is is bad is if we try and make Melbourne something that is not. Mm, yes. You know, there's something nice in accepting what we just talked about, those values. Yes. America's independence, freedom, progress, success, yeah. whatever you want to call it. And Australia for being that relaxed, nice place to come to on a holiday. Yeah. Like what what's what's the shame in just admitting that and just mm. be going, well, let's stop trying to make Melbourne what it's not. It's annoying. Mm. That we're trying to, oh, networking, oh, you know, startup ecosystem. <laughs> the startup ecosystem does not exist here. Whatever people think exists, doesn't exist. Yeah, it's a, it's a facade of existing businesses. All these incubators that are being started. Yes. <laughs> they're just a facade to say, oh, we're, we're innovating. But I mean, nothing is really, really getting done. When you, when you invest, right? When you put your money in an investment, you probably, you tend to expect around 10% uh, returns. Fairly quickly. Per yeah. annum, right? At least, yeah. To account for inflation and lots of stuff. I guarantee if you asked these incubators how much money they had, let's say, that, oh, we have a budget of $2 million, ask them, are you returning $200,000 worth of value every year? Probably not because most, most of the time, what they're doing with the money is um, <laughs> organizing trips to expensive places with other incubator directors to talk about what they should be doing <laughs> and they never end up doing it. Oh, yes. And that's the problem in the not-for-profit sector is that the, the lack of incentive to earn money is compensated for by these huge egos. Yeah. And, you know, these people pushing their own agenda and their own thing. When money comes into the picture, it clears everything up. It does. It, it takes agendas out of it effectively. We're here to make money. <laughs> Anything else is... Stop your complaining. Shut up. <laughs> I'm paying that. you to shut up. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. That's right. And so that's the problems that I encountered yes. in approaching these incubators and stuff to try and get these uh, entrepreneurs to go to America is that a lot of the time, and look, I, I don't, I don't assume anything and I don't want to be arrogant because, you know, I'm not, I'm not that great either. But when I went to them, I, I kind of felt like a sense of jealousy, almost a sense of envy that I was doing something that they didn't do when they were young. Yeah. And so it was kind of like, you know, I'm not going to help you. 
I'm going to hinder your progress. For sure. And I, I mean, even I felt that too, just like being friends with you, like being an extension of you is like, damn, you're so lucky to be with someone who knows what they're doing at, yeah. their, at your age. And yeah. like even people older than us at university, anywhere, it's the general concept of not outshining the master. I, I come from another perspective. I can tell you at moments, you definitely did. No fault of your own. No. Like, and and, and I, I look back on it and I'm thankful that I made the mistakes because I've learned from that. But yeah. You're spot on. And I think as well, that touches on another element of Australian culture, tall poppy syndrome. (laughs) Oh gosh. Yeah. That's another factor that prevents us from being the startup center that we want to be. If we keep cutting down our young people that are too impressive for our older people, Mm -hmm. then we're, we're a bit cooked. In the networking kind of sense, because of that tall poppy syndrome, people hold connections tied to their chest. Their business is in stealth mode. Oh, the amount mm. of times I've heard the word stealth <laughs> What is that? Explain what? to us oh, what stealth gosh. mode is. Essentially, in a nutshell, people come up to you and go, I've got this really great business idea. And Let's I'm, hear it. And I need your help. Happy okay. to. What is it? Yeah, what is it? Oh, it's in stealth mode. <laughs> oh, okay. So, <laughs> what does that mean? how the hell can I help you if I don't know what, what it is? Yeah, that, this is stealth mode. Pe- you know, people <laughs> thinking that others will steal their idea when in reality, execution trumps ideas every day. 100%. I don't care if you've got a, a great idea. Make the, the hard bit, the, the successful people, made it happen. Mm. You look, looking at these big companies is a good example. Mark Zuckerberg, you know, the Jeff Bezos. They're the ones who, you know, that's execution. Yeah. You know, perfect. There's, um, there's Perfectly some... Perfectly framed. Most of the time, you're 100%. There are some examples, though, of genuine fraud and genuine of IP course, theft. But, like, it's it's really execution at the end of the day. Sure, 100%. And, uh, Doesn't matter what your idea is. You know, anyone who... You, you often find the types of people that are great at generating ideas are terrible at execution. They're visionaries. They're dreamers. They're, they're the John Lennons of the business world. Which is great. You know, you need those people. Those sort of people start businesses, but then the realists and the ones that get shit done manage the business. Yeah, you're the founder and then you just delegate everything to the board. Yeah, and that's the problem is people, founders have a hard time letting go. It's their baby, they don't want to let it go, but you got to let go. You got to let people do what they, they need to do. And that's another problem is people are working these crazy hours, like 18 hour days, 20 hour days. Yeah. They're working in startups when they don't need to. If you've got good enough people skills, you can get a team together and divide the work amongst yourselves. So you're not having to work 18 hour days, right? You start a business to enjoy life, to, to get right. the most out of life and to have some sort of autonomy, right? To have a passive income. At the end of the day, right? You want to sell your business or you at least want to keep your business running so you get money in your pocket. You don't actually have to be in the office. <laughs> That's right. To do work. So... There's this whole conception idea. You have to work 18-hour days and that's so, so not true. It's difficult to shake off though given the person who pioneered that, Steve Jobs, succeeded so greatly. Like that that's... If you've got a key example like the founder of the Silicon Valley essentially saying work those hours, then people will do it. You only hear about the success stories. You never hear about the thousands upon thousands, even millions of failures that happen every day. Mm. So we've got to you got to look at the complete data set. You know? Don't just look at the success. You got to look at you know you got to be aware of all the failure that's happening and, and why it's happening. And that's mainly because people go in deluded and not <laughs> realistic about what they actually want to achieve and what they want to do. You know. But ignorance is so blissful. Will why uh, would we want to see the whole picture? Because <laughs> we're human. That's uh, that's another tragedy. It's human. shitty as, isn't it? Uh, it's I I do wonder. Like, is this to me, from this discussion already, what I can see is, and like as, as I mentioned, you've got far more experience in this than I. Tell me yes. if I'm wrong. 
But the the ecosystem itself is just is just symptomatic of the psychological problems of our society. Oh, for sure, that's the biggest thing. Like it, it's not oh we haven't got enough money from the government, we haven't got enough support from people. Stop whinging, right? Yeah. Stop complaining. <laughs> that's the first step. Stop being victims. Stop playing the victim. That's the first thing to admit is life is hard. It is. Life is tough. If you want to make something worthwhile, it's going to be painful. But the joy that you get out of actually completing something is far better than, you know, drugs or alcohol and stuff because it's something that you've worked hard for. You've done it, right? No one can take that away from you. You can't take away the billions of dollars that, that Amazon is worth from Jeff Bezos. <laughs> no, you never. You can't take away that. Because. You can't take a gold medal away from Usain Bolt or no. any, any Olympic because it's tangible. It's a tangible result. It's a tangible thing that they've actually worked hard for and that not a lot of people can do. Mm which I think is good. And this draws back on the Melbourne side because what I was saying about us trying to make it what it's not is that if we try and make it good, then places like Silicon Valley and other inherently good ecosystems aren't going to be as good. Yeah, it's um, Adam Smith, the uh, basically the father of economics and capitalism, says it very simply. It's, it's specialization. People, tribes, countries, cities have specialized things, inherent things from goods because they, in the moment, use what they have. Silicon Valley has used what it had. It had the microchip industry. It had all these big startups moving there. It had great access to trade routes. That's why it became a startup ecosystem. Melbourne doesn't have those things. Why are we trying to be that? And um, and it reminds me of a quote in The Incredibles. <laughs> really? And oh, it's I actually the, vi- the villain syndrome, that orange head guy. Yes. And he essentially wanted to kill off all the superheroes because he wanted to make everyone superheroes. And he said a line that is actually quite in line with this. He said, once everyone is super, no one will be. Yeah. So I think there's a place in the world for... Certain things. You need need polarization to work. I mean, there's there's some big debates that unemployment is necessary. Uh, Homelessness is even necessary. People trip out from that truth, from that thought. But the reality is, as Margaret Thatcher said, if we all had equal living standards, we'd all be poor together. Exactly. And if we were all executioners and, you know, like people that were successful, then that wouldn't be as lustrous. You know, earning a gold medal wouldn't, in, at the Olympics wouldn't be as special because no. everyone would be able to do it. So I think there is a place for shit talkers and people who don't actually get anything done and who actually don't amount to anything, as sad as it sounds, because like you said, it's that yin and yang, you know, it's got to balance each other out. There's a place for everyone and everything. Everyone can still be important and different, but we do have to all change our minds. This one goes out to all the big women.